we are here to worship. I hope that's why you came. Some of you came to church. Some of you came to worship. See, you can put yourself in a garage. That doesn't make you a car. Would you agree with that? You can come to church. That does not mean that you're worshiping. And a lot of people in America come to church. And listen, I, I, I don't know. I'll blame it on the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant work ethic kind of a thing that we're here to just watch and take it in. That's not what worship is. Worship goes on, according to Revelation, around the throne 24 hours a day, all the time, forever and ever and ever. We just get an opportunity to pop in and out of that when we choose to worship, whether it's privately or corporately. But because you're here does not mean you're worshiping. Well, what is worship? Well, singing. When I sing, I'm giving praise to God. The Bible's very clear about that. Sing your praises to God. In, in Psalm 47, it says, Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye people. Did you miss that? All ye people. Shout unto God. Paul says to Timothy, I want all men everywhere, just in case you missed it, all men everywhere to lift up holy hands to the Lord. What is that? Well, that's surrender. It's surrender to God. Well, we don't raise our hands because that's what the Pentecostals do. We don't clap because that's what this group does. If I sing too loud, what will people think of me? Did you come to church or did you come to worship? Because there's a big difference. And so what we're going to talk about today and what we're going to talk about through this Christmas season is worship. See, the church can do great things for Ninos de Mexico, and you can cheer and shout how great that is. But I don't know if you gave a dime to that. And when you stand before God, and we're saved by grace through Jesus, so don't think I'm talking about works. But you're like, man, it's so great, but you're not going to have a Tomoka card when you stand in front of God. You'll stand in front of God based on how you lived, the decisions you made, and what you did with Jesus, and what you did once you became a Christian. You don't get to ride on somebody else's worship. You and I have to worship God for ourselves. Now look, probably guys, this is hardest for you. I get that. It's, it's just not, we're just not as expressive, and yet I want all men everywhere. Clap your hands, all ye people. It is there for all of us to learn to worship. All right, that's preaching. We'll explain this in a second. Now, when, we, when I was a, a kid, well, when I was a kid, they, they didn't have things they have now. All right, because now, like when my kids were growing up, we would stick those little plastic caps into the electric outlets so the kid wouldn't stick his finger in it. In my day, you just learned the hard way. You did it once, right? It zapped you across, you know, across the room. Well, that was not my problem. All right, my problem when I was a kid, I didn't stick my finger in light sockets. I would chew on cords, on electric cords. Now, my dad was no nonsense, so he stepped in and immediately and he grounded me. I, uh, no, no, I have, uh, I've learned, I have learned uh, currently to get myself together. <clears throat> I, I now conduct myself properly. Shocking. That's all. That's all. That's far we're going. 
But I'm amazed at the lack of participation. And if you, if you watch a church service, maybe you should watch yourself. One of the hardest things we ever had to do in college, we were in a preaching class. This is at the advent of a, a video recording. So we've got cameras, you know, like, you know, the size of NBC's cameras, you know, the little the, the VHS things. And you would preach in front of the class, which was hard enough. But then you had to sit down and watch yourself preach with the preaching professor. <laughs> that was probably the most painful thing I've ever done. What if you had to watch yourself worship? What if you put yourself in God's shoes and you were sitting there watching yourself? Would you be like, man, he really loves me. She really loves me. Now, I get it. Some people worship differently. Everybody's not, and, and not all the time. Every, you can't be happy and joyous all the time. I get that. There's different ways to worship, but only you know, are, am I really worshiping? Am I giving? Am I, am, am I pouring it out for God? Or am I just coming to church? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, this is a, it may seem strange to you, but I picked this text because it talks about the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God of Gods. And people say, well, see right there, it tells you there's lots of gods. No, that's not what it means at all. What it means is that he is God above everything you set up to be God. He is Lord over everything you set up to be the Lord in your life. The job, the money, the bank, the 401k, uh, or maybe somebody's lording it over you. If you go to North Korea right now, do you know there's a giant statue there? Just like Nebuchadnezzar had in Babylon. There is a giant stature, statue, and everybody who goes through North Korea has to bow before the emperor's statue. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Moses said, who you're worshiping. God of gods. He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's above all. He is the creator. Moses is telling them, listen, we're not worshiping the gods of the Egyptians. We're not worshiping the gods of the Canaanites. We worship the one true living God. And he's so powerful. It says that he lives in unapproachable light. When Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, remember what he told the people? God told the people, don't even get close to the mountain. He said, if you put a foot on the mountain, I don't know where the mountain started, but I promise you there was some joker that found out. There was some joker that said, God, and he stuck his foot out. God said, if a goat steps across the line, the goat will die. God said, don't, don't mess with me. This is the God that we're talking about. Not some God that you made up, not some fantasy God out there, but the God who is creator and Lord over all. This is what Moses writes about. If you'll stand with me out of respect. You can use your Bibles, iPhones, scrolls. I said scroll, uh, scrolls, and last night there was a, a couple here, and he had a Bible from 1887, and it weighed like 75 pounds, had a wood cover on it, and he said, here, I want you to check this out, and... It was, I said, that fits into the scroll category. But anyway, here we go. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? To walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to observe the Lord's commands and decrees 
and that I'm giving you today, they're for your own good. How about that? To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord sets his affection on your ancestors, and he loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one that you praise. He is your God who performed for you these great and awesome wonders that you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. You can be seated. So when Jacob took his family down to Egypt, because there was a famine, there were 70 people. That was his kids, his grandkids, great-grandkids. But the time they get ready to go into the promised land, there's over 6 million people. So in a span, in a span of years, God has multiplied and multiplied and multiplied his people. And yet, what is God's concern with the people? They're still stiff-necked. They're still hard-hearted. They still don't worship. And he says to them, he starts off, and I think maybe this is where certainly the Western church has missed something very, very important. The first thing God tells Moses to tell his people, fear God. We don't talk about that. Now, would I rather talk to you about the love of God, the grace of God? Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But he starts off, he said, tell them that they should fear me. Well, I thought God was all loving. We hear people go, oh, it doesn't matter how you live or what you worship or, or your sexuality. None of that stuff matters. And it doesn't even matter who you really worship. It, you know, Well, it, it actually does. He is God of gods and Lord of lords. Jesus said, I am the way. And it's, it's very specific about what God is calling us to. Now, you can choose whether you believe any of that or not. But when God speaks through Moses to his people, he says, tell them to fear me. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 10 says, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior... Hell is very real. Heaven's very real too. You get to choose. But I think the church has forgotten about this fear factor. And that may be overplayed, but I think it's so underplayed from the pulpit. Nobody's talking about repentance. Nobody's talking about, I need to stop living like this. I need to stop behaving like this. I've got to get my life in line here. Now, I'm not doing all of that to be saved. I'm saved by what Jesus did on the cross. But if there's no fear and respect for God and His Word, then we'll never be sold out in worship because it doesn't mean anything to you. I learned early on to fear my dad. Now that may sound terrible. My dad, as I, as I remember, I, he, I think he disciplined me twice. I still remember both. <laughs> See, things were different when I was growing up and I'm not recommending anything. I'm just telling you. 
Um, there were no timeouts. There, were, there was no, um, you know, well, let's try to reason together. Um, there was not even go stand in a corner. If I was standing in a corner, it was to protect myself. It was a different time, okay? It was a different time. But I learned early, early on, do not mess with Bob Pudding. He let me know. It was his house. My mother was his wife. This was how I was to talk to her. I learned everything straight up. Now, you can learn it the easy way, you can learn it the hard way. Now, I don't know anybody on earth that is more loving, my wife will tell you this, than my dad. He's 88 years old, but I still have a sense of fear. It's, it's awe, it's a respect for who he is, for what he's done. And I still wouldn't mess with him. Because if he really wanted to, I think he would still whoop me. All right? He'd have to catch me. That's his only, that's his only struggle at the moment. But we seem to have lost that in our culture. Well, there's no respect for anybody. There's no respect for school teachers. There's no respect for principal. There's no respect for police or fire department. And when you have no respect at home, then you have no respect ultimately when you get to God. And God starts off by saying, Moses, tell them that they need to fear who I am. I am not some God they made up. I am not a totem pole. I am a God that they should be very concerned with. And they should take this seriously. Psalm 33, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. Be in awe of him. See, that's what we're, that's what we're missing. Now let me show you. This is some origin issues here. There's three choices that we have. The universe created itself. The universe always existed. The universe had to be created. Now I want you to stare at those three. Now, all we hear today is science. We have to let science speak, okay? Science is observable, testable, and repeatable. The universe created itself. Well, that's ridiculous. The universe has always existed. Well, God's always existed, but how could stuff just exist? Which leads you here. The universe had to be created. When you get here... This is where fear is created. This is where the awe is created. Now, that doesn't mean that you know who Jesus is yet. You don't know about a God who loved you enough to die for you. You just know that these two absolutely cannot be true, which leads me here, which leads me to think, I better learn about this God and I better find out how he does things. And Moses said, fear. We should have an awe and respect of God. That's what our worship is driven from. I had an ethics professor in college who said, fear is the wrong reason to worship God. I absolutely disagree. I absolutely disagree. Now, do I worship Jesus because I love him? Do I worship because of what he's done for me? Am I grateful for all that? Absolutely I am. But what got me to Jesus was I was terrified of hell. And I think it's an incredible motivator. I don't want to go to hell. And there's something wrong with somebody who does. But I hear, I listen to people say that. I listen to people say, you know what? I'd rather go to hell than to be with your God. And I'm like, well, okay. You'll, you'll have that opportunity. But then Moses says, love and serve God. 
fear him. And then out of that fear, out of that sense of awe, love, and serve. Now, both of those, pay attention, both of those are actions. Neither of those can be used outside of the realm of action. You say, well, I love my church. How do you, how do you love your church? You like the building? You like the paint? You like how it makes you feel? Well, when I tell my wife I love her, there's some expectations there. I really love you, but anniversary? Nah. Birthday? Nah. Christmas? Hmm. But uh, listen, I just want you to know how much I love you. I've been married 38 years, and I long to learned a long, long time ago, words mean nothing. If you haven't figured that out in the marriage yet, get with me. We'll do counseling. I'll help you with that. All marriages know that love is an action. And serving is an action. You cannot serve. We talked about James a couple weeks ago where James said, so you have money and food and clothes and you see somebody and they say, hey, I'm in a mess right now. I need help. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's, you know, going to burn up your money. I'm talking about legitimate situations. And you say, be warm and well-filled. I wish you well. That's not love nor service. It's words. And words are cheap and they're meaningless. And God called us to love and to serve, to put it into action. Now, I hesitated to do this, but I did last night, so here we go. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I need right now, okay? Uh, believe it or not, our, one of our biggest needs is food. Uh, the food pantry's full, but this is how it works. The food pantry gets food from the food bank, which is government uh, government food, which has a lot of restrictions on it. Now, we're helping hundreds of people. What I need is food that has no restrictions. It sounds crazy, but that's just how the world works, right? And mostly, it's kids for Christmas, and they need canned goods. So, let I me mean, just help you. Kids don't eat green beans. SpaghettiOs, ravioli, chicken and dumplings, soup. We need... We need, and literally, I, I need pickup trucks. That's how, we're just working with local schools in Volusia, Flagler County. They're, they're calling me and begging me for food and saying, we just need canned goods for the kids so they got something to eat. Now, we can argue all day long about why they're in that situation, and I ask. I ask a lot of questions about some of these situations. But at the end of the day, Jesus said, if you see somebody hungry, you feed them. That's love in action. That's serving. That's, that's what it looks like. Serve the Lord, Psalm 211. Serve the Lord, here's the word again, with fear and celebrate His rule with trembling. I serve the Lord because I fear the Lord. Because I want to make God happy. When I come to worship, I'm here to make God happy. If you came for any other reason than to make God happy today, you missed the whole point of worship. Well, I didn't get anything out of that. You weren't supposed to get anything out of it. If you got something out of it, that's a bonus. But you didn't come here to get to feel better about yourself. You came here to worship the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. So when we get, when I get off the stage, which is in 10 minutes and 12 seconds, do not go anywhere. Because the entire purpose of this morning 
is about to come. And that's when we get to participate in the worship part of this. And then as he gets to the, to the last part that we read, he says to hold on tightly. Now, I've got some cards up here, things that we try to do to help you hold on. Yeah, we offer worship services so we can gather together to encourage each other, to celebrate God. And uh, on Christmas Eve, all right, let me tell you what's going on. There's a card right there that says, join us for Christmas Eve at Tomoka. All right, we've got four services here in Ormond, 2, 345, 530, and 715. Now, we're not going to have a weekend service that weekend. We're just going to have Thursday. We're going to blow the doors off of this place four times, all right? Bring your friends. Bring your friends. Now, Palm Bay and Deland, their service is at 5.30. So you've got that information, what's going on down there. But this is a chance, again, do you love God enough to help your friends not go to hell? That's, that's what this ask is about. Now, there's cards. This one says, I'll be at the 2 o'clock service. So if you're going to bring 10 people, you pick up 10 cards. We're not going to turn anybody away. What this does is try to prevent everybody from coming to the same service. If all the two o'clock cards are gone, that's a clue that you should pick up something for another time, all right, just because there's only so many seats in the room. Uh, We also have our prayer cards. This is our baseball cards, people to pray for. Prayer is a major part of this. How am I worshiping God? I pray. I pray for my church. I pray for my missionaries. You can pick those up. And we have our giving tree out there where you can support the poor around the world. They gave me a deck of cards. I don't know what the deal is. But we give you all this to remind you that we're to hold on. We are to hold on tightly. That's what Moses said. He said, fear God, love and serve him, and then hold on tightly to your faith. Now, what what does that mean? Well, the picture I got in my head, the only thing that I could come up with was... That, that young lady running on the runway when her husband got home from Vietnam, she never thought he'd make it home but for, for, for good reason. And she throws herself into his arms and they hold each other there on the runway and they will not let go of each other. They're swinging around, they're holding, they're kissing. That is the picture that Moses is giving to the people. Hold on tightly. And we live in a culture where it's like, well, you know, yeah, I love God. You know, I, uh, Amber Alert, and there's nothing you can do about it. Just, it works whether you do anything or not. So pray, pray for whatever that Amber Alert is. Um, we, no, it's nothing anybody can do. It's automatic. Um, but, but we've got to hold on instead of saying, well, you know what? I mean, God's important, but is, is he really that important? And we don't hold God in the esteem that we're supposed to. 1 Corinthians 16, listen to this. Keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. Okay. I don't know where you're at. Some of you need to accept Jesus. Some of you watching at home, you need to accept Jesus. You've never been baptized. You can push a button that says, I have decided. All right? Maybe you need prayer. If you're here in the room, when this is all over and we're far from over, 
There's a sign right there that says decisions. People will be there to pray with you, to answer questions. How do I become a Christian? I am scared. The fear part I got. I'm scared. What do I do to get right with this God? All right. I'm going to finish with one statement, and then we're going to worship. And again, I beg you not to go, because if you leave, you missed everything I just said, because we're going to do what we just talked about. Here's Ralph Waldo Emerson. A person will worship something. Therefore, it behooves. When do I get to use the word behooves? All right, 19th century, but just a great word. A person will worship something. Therefore, it behooves us to be very careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Father, I pray that as we go into worship now, as we sing, as we clap, as we raise our hands, as we celebrate, as we sing, as we shout, as we give. In all of these things, Father, we came here today to make you happy. May we demonstrate that right now. We join our voices with heaven. That worship service goes on all the time. The angels, since the moment they were created, have been singing and praising and celebrating our great creator God. Those who have died are in your presence celebrating. And for a moment, we get to step behind the curtain and we get to celebrate and add our voices to those. In Jesus' name, amen.